0: Hello friends, my name is Jude Mark McGowan and welcome to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia. As always, this is a podcast to support the incredible work of the Dyslexia Foundation. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of children and adults with dyslexia so that they can succeed and contribute fully to society. They do incredible work. They test any adult off the street and teach them to read for free. Everything is free at the point of use. So today, my guest is an actor, the brilliant, outrageously talented, Olivier Award-winning Jenna Russell. She's an immense talent. She's worked non-stop for over 35 years on TV, film, and uh, her love, the theatre. She's worked with the RSC, she's worked on Les Mis, She won her Olivier for the London revival of Sunday in the Park with George in 2007 which also went on to Broadway and she was nominated for a Tony for that, she's got a long-standing relationship with the brilliant Stephen Sondheim. She's West End royalty. She does that thing that all brilliantly talented people do which is to make the very difficult seem effortless. To sing and act and do both well is incredibly difficult and she does both with and ease, which is almost scary. If you do get the opportunity to see her on stage in any capacity, I would absolutely encourage you to do so. we we'll get into it on this pod. Her aspirations, her hopes for the future. It's a special one. Strap in. Enjoy. Jenna, hello. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> How are you? How are you in this time?
1: Oh, I'm all right. Hanging in there, as I'm sure we all are.
0: <laughs> yes, Yes. So this episode will come out first weeks of February, 2021. Um, and we are in our fourth, fifth, God knows which (laughs) lockdown. Um, (laughs) and I want to ask you as a, as a fellow creative, as a fellow actor, how, how you're keeping yourself topped up creatively, you know, is, is this, is this, Um, time difficult in terms of motivation or do you feel like you 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 know you need the escapism of of maybe singing or you know preparing a part how is it
1: it's i'm sure like you i have good days and i have bad days so when i was talking to um a a parent just now my, my little girl had to do a bit of uh making a flapjack so i was overseeing her making sure she didn't burn herself and the mum another mum was was there with her little girl because they were doing it, her friends were doing it, FaceTiming each other, doing it. And her oh mum said, she said, how are you doing? How's everything? I said, it's okay. She went, and and work? How's work? I said, well, I, I lost, you know, three contracts, which would have been a year and a half's worth of work. She oh. went, that's terrible. She said, you know, but you, you know, hopefully that will all pick up. And just trying to explain to someone that, you know, to put um, these were three theatre jobs, and to put yes. stuff on in the West End or in a London theatre, the the lead up time is like two years. So yeah, it, now it's going to be even if they want to do the show again, are they still going to have you know the rights for it? Are, are they going to yeah. be able to get the director, producer, all the yeah. creatives, the actors, the musicians? The theatre, are those things yeah. going to be there when they need them? And I know that this, one of the theatres I was going into has got a new show that's already um, advertised. So if that's a hit, that'll be there for a few years. And so trying to explain to a non um, actor just to go, it, you know, they, those jobs probably are in the bin forever. Yes. something might come. But again, I'm an actor, I might be too old for the role by the time they get it back on. So Ugh. it's tricky, isn't it? It's really tricky. I mean, the good thing is, is TV is is being able to be filmed for the last, yeah. what, six months, seven months. So at least that's some work for our, our community. But, you know, it's, it's, it's always a tight one to get a job in TV because it's better yeah. paid more often than not. So now not only are the all the people who were meant to be doing movies wanting to do a bit of TV because their movies can't get made because they can't travel, but every theatre yeah. actor wants to do a bit of TV because they don't have any theatre work. So suddenly the pool that I guess cast and directors are looking at is enormous of, of what they've got to choose from. And and so it's hard. It's hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard for us all. But I'm, you know, I'm 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 keeping Sane and actually, <laughs> it's been for for a lot of it. I've been grateful for the fact that I had been in a soap for a couple of years and I'd saved some money. Um, yes, because I wasn't eligible for any government help, and um, so that that was oh, took man. the took the heat off. And also, it was just nice to be at home for a bit. Because I'm usually very very busy. So actually, yeah. to spend a year at home with my other half and my daughter, I hang on to that because that's been really special and wonderful. And I've done a few little bits and bobs and a bit of telly here and a, you know, radio there and some concerts, um, when that little space of time when we could do some (laughs) live work, which was very limited. I think it was about, there were about six weeks I managed to get a couple of concerts in there, which was lovely, but playing to half houses, it was very strange to socially distance houses. But it's, hey, it is what it is. What can we do?
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, nothing, but I've, been is, doing nothing cross stitch.
1: I've been doing cross-stitch. I've been doing embroidery. <laughs> I've turned <laughs> into like this sort of uh, Victorian lady. But yeah, I was going to say. It's been really um really good for my to, to have something to concentrate on that's small that's creative and you've you know I can lose myself for hours doing it because it's really intricate and I've actually turned out to be quite good at it so they're they're quite um subversive cross stitches that involve quite a lot of swearing okay um, the ones yeah. that i've done but they're but they're good <laughs> <laughs> they're good
0: so we're gonna are going to see you open up an Etsy account and start uh, selling them oh, for yeah. a little bit of uh, lockdown I, income.
1: Only takes me about four months to do one, like, five by eight piece of work.
0: Oh, I'll, well, I'll, just,
1: I'll not earn any money out of it.
0: <laughs> you just hike your price up. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> put on us a few grand and, uh, and tell uh, them when you can get it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my um, so my girlfriend's an actor as well, Jess, and um, she, so she was in the West End doing The Great Gatsby. And uh-huh. within the space of, what, two days, she'd lost three jobs um, because this, this, the sad state of our industry anyway is that if you're not in a massive West End show, um, she was doing the immersive Gay Gatsby. She, was, yeah. she had three side hustles as well. So she, had, she was a um, sports masseuse and a spin instructor. And then, of course, you know, she can't do any of those things. Any
1: of them. Um, I know. It's terrible. When, when it looks
0: down. But she's she's supposed to be in, so there's an immersive Doctor Who coming up. And oddly, they can you can rehearse in this time, yeah. but you can't perform. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, tr- trying to get our heads around that. In theory, um, it's all going to go ahead. Um, they're going to start rehearsing end of March, um, have it ready by the end of April. And presumably, I don't know, you know, they must have some form of insurance or some, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, inside track from the government, you know, about maybe April or May will be feasible. But it's a funny one because it's immersive theatre. You know, it's not like you know the half houses you were playing to, where you can have like you know two seats of space between each other. It's it's immersive, so people are getting right. Yes, yeah, so people up close. are there
1: and wandering around, sort of promenade. Is it? So there'll be a group of people standing there, and you move through them, and
0: exactly, exactly. You're interested to see how they do.
1: It's tricky, isn't it? Because you just don't know how, where we're going to be in the vaccination programme, do we? I mean, that's no. it's so dependent on all that. I remember saying that to, to somebody right at the beginning of, of the lockdown because they were saying, you know, financially we need this, that and the other. I went, yeah, but you don't understand. I've just lost all my all my work. And yeah. I honestly think, and this was right at the beginning, I said, I honestly think... I'm not going to be able to get back to work realistically until they've got a vaccine and it's been yeah. rolled out, and that could be. Yeah. I mean, that was then. I was saying that that could be two, three years. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I think. Well, yeah. we will get back, but it's going to be for a little while. Not not as we as we've known it. Yeah, and I do miss that. It's, I, I mean, I, I've got. My hats off to everyone who's doing things digitally but it's it's not the same as being you know it's a contract you make as an actor when you're on stage or yeah. or doing an immersive piece or you know doing an audition in a room with someone it's yeah our whole job d- depends it's all about human contact i did Absolutely. a telly and i you know we i'd been um covid tested to within an inch of my life i'd been self-isolating for two weeks before i I did my filming and it was so weird the actor who i had the scene with this actress when we were um, rehearsing it she sat right next to me and i felt a bit oh and then during the the scene she just took my hand and kind of put it on her cheek and it was the first time i'd had any physical contact with another human being outside my house and it was all I could oh, wow. do to go. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and of I realised, no, we're all right. That's why we're allowed to do it because we're, you know, we we're tested, and everyone in the room is tested. But it was a real yeah. shock to the system. So I'm thinking, when I do get, when we all do get back to the stage, you know, how we how we interact with each other—it's it's such a physical job. It's going to be yeah. really odd, isn't it, for a couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, and you have to have that, you know, immediacy of uh, comfort with somebody, you know, because invariably, you know, that was my experience on a soap is like, oh, you know, by the way, uh, you're going to be kissing this actress that you've never met before or actor. Was yeah. My, my character was, uh, wasn't was picky about who um, <laughs> you slept with. Um, and it was like, oh, oh we've decided you're going to kiss an extra today. And, and you know, you just have to, you know, take a moment <laughs> and uh, and go, okay, well, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's a fine line, isn't
1: it? I remember when I was about 17. Doing a TV, and I was had to snog someone, and I I was <laughs> I, I was being snogged up against a tree. I remember, and I thought this is so <laughs> close to prostitution. This, yeah, you no, know, it's a seventeen-year-old girl going. This is this is so weird. Of course, yeah. you know, there are so many other different things, but it you have to kind of get your head around all the physicality of it. It's very strange. Isn't it?
0: You do you do. And I should say as well, um, every set in the wake of me too, is now, they now have, um, intimacy counselors, don't they? Yeah. So they have yeah. people who come on set and they just, you know, they just make sure everyone is, is, is safe. Um, and, and that nothing, all this all consensual and everything's worked out because, you know, really, if you have a, a scene partner that you work with quite often, it becomes like choreographing a fight, you know, it's just as technical yeah. as that. and, and, sort of you know the layman the the muggles as it were who don't who don't act are often like you know is is it sexy and you're like no it's it's (laughs) the least sexiest thing (laughs) that you can possibly do because it's it is it is absolutely choreographed down to you know every move
1: it's funny isn't it how people I I did a a, a show recently it was um, Bridges of Madison County and myself and my leading actor were very physical with each other there was a lot of really intimate stuff, you know. Yeah. And and even actor friends of mine that, you know, they got so involved in the story, but they would say, you know, oh my God, you know, what how, how does that feel to to be, you know, do you fancy him? And you <laughs> go, no, it's we're we're acting. We're we're yes. literally, you know, every everything we've done, are you all right if I touch you here? Is that okay? How do we feel about that? You know, and and you never step over the boundary. Well, I'm sure people do, but I certainly haven't. But it's kind of made me feel like I'd I'd done the job right, that people would think that we were madly in love with each other. So believe it, even actor friends of mine. So it could be odd when we get back to that. But yes, it's a different different world from when you and I first started out, isn't it, about intimacy? I mean, it's much better much
0: better yes, they take completely. care of people much more they do they really do yes yeah, one of the one of the many frustrating things about this time is is the sort of sensory deprivation we all feel like we're in yeah um and as you say like going from um famine to feast in that respect to then suddenly being able to hug people and touch people and and the sort of relief that that, that will have but also the um the reacclamation we'll have to make to that as well, you know, yeah. in order for um real human behaviour to to feel natural again. Yeah. That's that's a strange, a strange thing. And it's also sad given we're all in our houses, we all want to consume more, you know, and connect with each other through art. And yeah. the irony being we, we can't we can't create it easily. You know that the the immediacy of theatre is is as you say is completely impossible without you know, the the vaccine being almost completely rolled out.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's in in no matter how much for my money you you might digitize a theatre and and film it, it's just not the same. It's not the same. It's a it's a yeah. you know, you you have to have gone to see a play or a show or been in one to understand that it's such a different thing to watching the telly, which is brilliant, yeah. but it's a, such a different, yes. a, and, you know, I've always, it makes me sad because I've always wanted to be a theatre actor and here I am in a really good place in my career being a theatre actor and who would have thought that you would not be allowed to, to do it? I would never have thought yeah. that that telling someone a story, creating a story for a group of people, even a tiny group of people, would, would not be allowed. It's the strangest thing. But I'm, I've had these visions of all our brilliant writers <laughs> just sat uh-huh. home creating yes. amazing things for us all to get our teeth into in the next few years. And, it, you know, it, it's going to be one hell of a comeback when we do get back. I can't wait And I I guess like you, I'm a very very physical person. I'm very cuddly with people and I miss it. I really miss it. I I, I miss that. I miss seeing people and being with them and laughing with them and eating with them and can't wait, can't wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of envisioning, you know, like, you know, Piccadilly Circus, you know, sort of um, – it evokes the, you know those 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 old footage of you know all the Tommies in yeah. the streets celebrating yeah. after the end of World War Two and Times Square and all that kind of stuff. Um but the sad reality I thought is is that there won't be like a day when we'll all just be let out and that you know it'll be <laughs> slow. You know, it won't it's never as good in your imagination as it is in you know in real life. It'll be yeah. a, it will slowly come back to ourselves. It won't be like this massive explosion, you know, peace has been declared. You know yes. sadly that's not the way it's gonna go yeah. but you completely Trip. right we'll, we'll
1: be let out in drips and drabs
0: we will we totally will um no you the, listen the the turbulence of certainly the last what five years since 2016 um yeah. we, we should have realized when david bowie was like guys something's coming and i'm 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 leaving um <laughs> i'm gonna leave <laughs> you guys to it there's really it's it's pretty bad and and, and prince knew as well um, yes he did and then, and then we have this—you know, this this plague, almost a hundred years on from the last big one. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's no way, you know, the brilliant writers, Jazz Butterworth and and uh, the other, you know, brilliant m- modern uh, writers are, aren't sitting at home thinking of thinking of something.
1: Yeah, isn't it funny as well? Because I was thinking about you know TV that hits the mark, and when when I watched years and years. Um, Russell T. Davis. Oh, brilliant. I, haven't, I haven't watched *It's a Sin* yet. I'm saving that for. for, for to, I've just finished something yesterday, um, and that's, great. that's tonight. But it was so. I remember watching it, going, "God, that could happen." It feels so close to where we are, and virtually everything that was in it has happened. Yeah. Visionary, <laughs> but it, you kind of watch it going, "That's hellish," and and, it, and yet here we are in a situation not far away from that. It is yeah. extraordinary.
0: It is. It is. I mean, life invariably is is far stranger than reality. I mean, you know, if, again, if anyone had told you what would happen that has happened in the last five years, you go, well, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, no one will believe that. There's no yeah. way you could put that on stage or screen. None, no, no none will believe that that could have possibly happened.
1: Also, it's that thing of how quick it happens. And you yeah. read um, *Handmaid's Tale*, and and, and and just how quickly. She says in the book about how quickly the world or her world changed and how quickly women were sort of... All their powers were ripped away from them. They were put into this life of servitude. How quickly these things can happen if yeah. everything is aligned in the right way. If we've got weak people and someone makes a move into power like Trump, you know, suddenly there's a void there's a little void there that he sees he jumps in it and fills it and some and some and before you know it crazy shit's happening you know it's 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 well, we have to be mindful don't we of 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 what's going on outside of our day-to-day lives just to keep an eye on it all because um it can completely. change so fast
0: completely i mean it does that's why it- it does help to be a student of history. Yesterday was the Holocaust Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah. You know, you do, and you see what's happening in China, and, um, you know, Trump was very close to, to getting rid of abortion, you know, and destroying Planned Parenthood. And Poland, I think, we're only a, a few days into their abortion ban, and they've got a huge amount of, you know, protests planned. But, yeah, I mean, certainly Poland are going through that, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Complete destroying of um, female rights, and it's—I mean—that's—that's that's for me an important discussion about you know what was the most seminal part of the last century for women's rights. You know, was it getting universal suffrage or was it you know the right to choose when they have a baby?
1: Well, there are so many things, and and the minis- the, the tiny things are the things that shock me. I, I did a I did a a show called Fun Home, and extraordinary piece of of writing really brilliant but there's it was about um a family that were very well respected that lived in a small uh, pennsylvania a small part of pennsylvania he was a school teacher she was a school teacher he was also he also (laughs) had a, a a family morgue his father owned a morgue and he did that as well but he led this double life as a gay man and it's a true story. It's written by his daughter, Alison Bechtel. Have you heard of Alison Bechtel? She's a she's a cartoonist and um, extraordinary woman. And and there's a thing called the Bechtel test. I can't yes, remember exactly what it is. Where the, if the, if it's the two
0: women, two women, two women talking about um, something that's not a man. In yeah, a not TV. male
1: related. Yeah, so you can pass yeah,
0: the to test men. or
1: not. This play doesn't pass the Bechtel test and it's written by Alison. (laughs) But he's got three kids and it's a story about the older woman, the eldest child looking back at her childhood. And she realises, because she's a lesbian, she realises that her father was gay. And it was so interesting in rehearsal talking about, you know, a particular scene where the daughter comes back from university and um, this young actress, eighteen, something like that, terrific actress. But we were doing the scene, and she said, "I just don't understand." She said, "Why didn't she just leave him?" And I said, well, it's, "It's like it's the late seventies. To do that would have been such a monumental thing for a woman to do, to yeah. in in a small town in America to leave your husband and 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 do what." look after your yeah. three kids on your own you're you know you're suddenly a pariah in in society I mean, the the ramifications it's not that long ago that if you nice. split up with your husband you you were in a hostel you were homeless you were what what so many women were trapped in marriages for years and years and years but i just think it's interesting that these days there is we have you know, women have fought so hard for for stuff that now people kind of just take for granted has always been there. Yeah. Um, and sadly, these things haven't always been there. I'm sure. No. And, I mean, a lot of us remember the time when you, you know, when abortions were were illegal and very dangerous things yeah. for women, and marriages and all sorts of things that people, women were trapped in, and yeah. and men were trapped in too. Because society wouldn't let them be free. I mean, it's not that far back before we walk into that area again.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, 1975, I think, a woman could have her own bank account
1: in the UK. Wow.
0: And people people don't appreciate that, you know. And since then, you know, the amount of um, divorces have shot up because, you know, prior to that, a woman literally could not. Have left her husband because yeah. she, how would she have kept her money?
1: It's Extraordinary,
0: isn't it? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Nuts. It, I mean, it is insane when you look at you know, as you say that there's a lot of people in my generation even who, who, because they're so, for want of a better word, right on and understanding, you know, like you know that about gay marriage and what, whatever, they assume, you know, that it's it's people have been liberal um for a long time but you know alan turing who's probably the uh, you know the genius who won us the second world war um he had uh, medical castration because he was found to be having you know sex with men in uh, in illicit places
1: wow i didn't know that either Extra- i mean he invented
0: the internet and the well he, he's credited with with starting the internet but certainly the modern computer And he had, you know, made the crack the Enigma code, and I mean, you know, he's a genius.
1: And he was, he was, he was castrated.
0: (laughs) Yes. So he he was arrested um, because he he was quite fond of, you know, as 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 men were at that time of meeting other men in toilets, yeah, um, public toilets. And he was also um, he wasn't uh, um, he he was quite uh, okay with being out. as a a, a gay man at a time when being out was, you know, strange. But he could not be honest because he worked at Bletchley Park and everything he did was a secret. No one knew what he'd done. No one knew what he'd done until the 60s or 70s, that he'd essentially cracked the Enigma code and and helped win the war. So he was found, I believe, arrested and then given a choice. You know, either you do hard time or you, you chemically castrate yourself. Wow. And... It's, it's believed that he uh, poisoned himself, but made it look like he'd died naturally so his mum wouldn't be upset.
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking.
0: It is. It's really, really, really heartbreaking. I mean, uh, um, who is it? It's Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch does a brilliant job of playing him in the, the imitation game.
1: Yeah, I've not seen it. I'll have to watch it. I'll have to watch it. What an extraordinary story I didn't I mean. Obviously, I knew what he'd done in terms of you know his his achievements but I, I didn't know he had such a sad a hard time of it and personally that's just heartbreaking isn't it it
0: is it's so heartbreaking and he again because of you talk about these arrangements that men and women had to have you know to survive I think he married um, a colleague from Bletchley Park you know in order, so he presented as as being straight for the yeah. for the wider world. You know, this is sort of things that sadly gay people have had to do in order to yeah. survive in a world which you know was was not understanding.
1: And still, a uh, you know a high proportion of people aren't understanding. That's the horrendous thing, isn't it? That's yeah. what, I guess that's what you kind of freaks me out when you see people like Trump. That you suddenly go, oh my God, there's so many people that support this. And we've yes. been living in this bubble of going. We're all, especially working in the creative industries, where you know it's it's very much part of the work. Um, I mean, that's why I think a lot of people go into it is because it's an accepting um, environment. There are all sorts of people, all people from different backgrounds and classes and struggles, and it all adds to the work. It's all always yes. It, it it's what makes. Art, you know, these extraordinary people that have had to fight hard all their lives, and they, all, we all meet up in this in this world. Yet, you, re- I did that with Brexit. You suddenly go, "Oh my God, people actually want this!" <laughs> I just thought it was yeah. kind of a joke almost, and just saying, "Well, well yeah. it's not. People aren't going to vote for it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just a bunch of idiots." And and it will see you. And then, of course, suddenly everyone suddenly comes out of the woodwork and you you see the world for what it actually is and what is going on burst my bubble totally yeah totally burst my bubble
0: completely completely and I also think we're also in a place to look at ourselves as well because I think there was a degree of some of their argument was fair you know that you live in this London bubble and you don't understand because we do live in London which is you know which is the financial centre, we don't feel the pinch of the austerity that's happening over the last 10 years and, and in these areas where they are feeling it and they're just, you know, they're looking at their GP's office and and, and thinking oh, it's way too crammed and they're not, you know, our answer is, of course, give more money to the NHS, you know, yeah. make more yeah. GP's offices, you know, make, make more education, you know, increase employment that way. So I, I do think we're in a place to go, oh, hold on, no, 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 we were... Well heads were in the sand a little bit um there there were things we didn't see um, but yeah, I, and I voices we didn't that listen
1: way. to, and voices we didn't listen to, which is which is important, you know, and that's yeah. ultimately what you kind of I've ended up thinking Not ended up. I've come to the gradual hmm. realization when when Brexit happened and when Donald Trump came in. I thought I've got to listen to to because the, these people are angry and they've not yeah. been heard and you know I'm sure they've got a lot of reason and and you know one has to step into other people's shoes and and see what what they're what what why they're upset why they're angry I think a lot of us have done that but they still want to know that some things are you know <laughs> you can't yes. throw the baby out with the bath water you know it's, it's no. all give and take isn't it and People's liberties are very, very... I mean, it's so important, It's so important. Our immigration policies getting squeezed is... is it's just such an awful thing. It's not understanding the, the positive that comes from immigration. I mean, crikey, we could go on forever, but it's... We could. It's been an interesting time, and we've lived through it. I mean, and, and hopefully we can all learn from each other and help each other navigate the next ten, fifteen years because I think they're gonna be bumpy.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did I was having this conversation with my mum actually. I was like, you know what, mum? I thought we were sort of entering a period of history that was relatively nondescript. Like, you know, so when my mum my was born in nineteen fifty five. So she would have lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, when yeah. the whole world thought we were going to be blown up. And, you know, everyone until the end of the eighties thought the, the Russians could drop a bomb at any any time. Yeah. Um, so you've got these these terrifying moments and, you know, um, Chernobyl and things like that. And then the wall comes down and there's, you know, a relative degree of peace, you know, and then you've got the Good Friday Agreement in 97. It seems like, ah, you know, it's it's it, we, we seem to be it doesn't seem to be as threatening, you know, and then Trump gets in and, you know, the climate crisis really, really is 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 horrendously bad. And you go, oh, no, wow. You know, this is this is the flux of human beings. You know,
1: yeah.
0: there's this time of seeming great conflict, and then it and then it sort of goes away, but then it comes back again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> double, double fold. Yeah. I don't know it's well whether it's that thing of as you get older, you become more aware of it, or you think I have to pay attention to this now. I can't, mm. I can't just forget about it and, and pretend it's not happening. Which you know, I think. There's often a the time in your early twenties where you kind of go, Oh, I don't want to know about it. I'm having a good time, I yeah. don't want to know about it. And then you go, actually, I've got to pay it because I have a say in this. I, I can yeah. I can I can make choices here and I can help people that, that need to be helped. It's um yeah, it's a very interesting time. I said that to my daughter, who's only 11. but said, you know, this this will be all this time will be in the history books forever. And how we respond to it will be in the history yeah. books forever. And we've got to, you know, just dig deep and and just look after each other and, and love each other because that's all we've got at the end of the day, really. Truly.
0: It is. It really is. L-
1: listen to us getting so deep. My goodness.
0: I know, I know. Let's <laughs> let's talk about something <laughs> let's talk about something camp like theatre. Let's, 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 let's talk about something like that. Um, I mean that does lead me into talking about a hero of yours who has um, had a huge impact on your life, Stephen Sondheim. Um, you've done, I mean, countless of his shows, and um, I think I'm all right in, in thinking that you've you have a relationship with him. Um, you've, yeah, you've been I able don't. to pick his brains about things.
1: Well, yeah, kind of. Um, we 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 email each other um, every now and then. <laughs> and um and you know obviously when I work with him or for him rather it's we always say hello I was I was in New York a couple of years ago and I thought I hadn't been there since I did a I did a show out in New York which was great fun um and it was a Sondheim show and um
0: Sunday in the Uh, Park with George.
1: That's the one. So I thought to myself, Mm. when I was out there a couple of years back, it was the first time I'd been back, and I'd I'd met up with um, James Lapine, who is the book writer and the lyricist of Sunday in the Park, amongst other things. Yes. And I thought, do you know what? You're here for a month, Jenna. Just get in touch with Steve. See him. Just say, I'd love to see you. And... (laughs) And so I emailed him and said, I'm here. I'm just, it would be lovely to see you. And we, we, I did go around to his house and we had a couple of hours together. And Amazing. I just, I walked out and I thought, oh my goodness. If my my 14 year old self <laughs> could know this was going to happen, I, I don't know what she would have done. Though he's, he's you know, he's my hero. And, you know, I, mm. I don't say that lightly. He's, he's um, absolutely him and Prince are, you know, <laughs> I never got to meet Prince, sadly. But I, I have met and worked with Mr Sondheim and it's it's been an absolute pleasure and, and a mind-blowing experience at the same time. So I'm very lucky and very grateful, very grateful.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you've talked about, you know, some people find Shakespeare, some people find Pinter, and for you, Sondheim Sondheim. He's absolutely, you know, in that um, roster of incredible. Um, I mean, what would you call him? I mean, he's obviously a writer, playwright, musical writer.
1: Um, he just he just he's... writes in a way that no one else does, and it's and also, you know, I find it extraordinary. As I mean, how old is Steve now? Eighty? Oh, I don't even know. Eighty eight, something like that. And yeah, you know, he's he's a, he's a gay man. And I don't know anyone in the musical theatre genre that writes women better. I just don't think there's anyone that touches what he can write for women, often in musicals, and I can see why in the old-fashioned ones. Cameron McIntosh once said to me, you're you're either an angel or a whore, (laughs) and he's kind of right. When when you suddenly, yeah. if you you know look at Les Mis, you've got you've got Cosette, who's an angel, yes. pure, and lovely. You've got um, Eponine, who we all fall in love with, who's who's the kind of slutty, hoary type character. I mean, that's that's yeah. pushing it. But and yeah. or, you've, or you've got Fontaine, who's turns out to be an angel, but starts off when we first meet her as someone troubled and ends up being a prostitute. Or I mean, there are so many. You're you're a, you're, you're very. It's very light in shape. It's, it's black or white, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, a lot yeah, of women's yeah, yeah. roles in musicals. Yet Sondheim yes. writes really complex women that are funny, sharp. You know, victims. Um, all in one character. Uh, strong. Yeah. Weak, angry, belligerent fearless, yes. it, they're, they're all, each character has, has that in, you know, I, I just think it's such a gift. And I think that's why a lot of actors and, you know, actresses, especially, I think are drawn to his work. And, you know, and, and when I say actors, I mean people like Imelda Staunton, people like that, mm. because they're there's such meaty roles. So yeah. it's, it's that's, I think, Apart from the fact that his music is sublime and his lyrics, and he's a genius poet and all the things that he he does there, he he he's just not afraid to to fill the characters with everything. And of course, we are all of us all these things. We're all everything at once, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. We're everything at once, and he captures that.
0: He does. He does. I mean one of my one of my favourite musicals of all, all time is Sweeney Todd. Um, That's and brilliant. how I mean, you must surely be wanting to play Mrs. Lovett at some stage because Oh, I'd love to. Incredible. And do you know what?
1: There was a production lined up. Um, and oh,
0: I mean, it wasn't one of the three, was it?
1: No, it wasn't one of the three, but that was meant to it was meant it was meant to happen this year. At some point um, right. this year. So that's probably not going to happen for a few years, but luckily I've still got a few years left <laughs> to do yeah. it. But, but if we ever do get that production off the ground, it yes. it will be really good because it's a like my favourite, one of my favourite ever directors. So oh, really, yeah, and I think you'll love it. So if it ever happens, I'll email you to let you oh, know. Oh, please and- do. Yeah, it, it, it will be good. And I've never... I, Sweeney Todd's one of my favourites. That's how I got into Sondheim. Um, Sweeney Todd, I just thought, was so extraordinary. But I've never seen it. I've I've never seen it. Because in my head, I've always got the Len Carrioux and... Yes. Um, and... Uh, oh, Angela, gosh, Angela, Lansbury. Angela Angela Lansbury.
0: Angela Lansbury, yeah.
1: Yeah, in my head. And that's one of the first conversations I ever had with, with Steve was... When I did follies with him when I was twenty, and I remember yes. talking to him. The, there was his pass door um, from the front of house to the backstage bit, from the from the stalls to the backstage, and he was walking past me and he said hi. It's the first time I met him, and um, I said, "I have to say, Sweeney Todd, oh my goodness." So we had this long chat in this past by this past door, and I remember one of the things he was saying that Hal Prince. Um, rang him up one day when they were in rehearsals doing technical rehearsals and said you have to come down and see and see this and it was the epiphany when when um sweeney sort of does that number called epiphany where he, they all yes. deserve to die and it's yes. just it's terrifying if you listen to it with your yeah. eyes shut it's terrifying and um He said, I snuck into the theatre and I sat at the back. He said, you know, they were doing it technically, so all the lights were happening. And it's the first time, he said, I'd seen it on stage with an orchestra playing, with all all the components put together, he said, and he said, I was just sat pushing myself into the back of the chair going, what the fuck have I written? (laughs) 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 <laughs> because it is, it's like someone being sick, isn't it? It's like this, yeah, the, the bile of of this whole man's existence, and, and he's got to the end of his tether, and he's just going. Do you know? What? I'm just going to kill people because yes. the whole world is awful, and everyone in it is horrendous. Yes. It, it's brilliant. It's it's a brilliant moment, a theatrical, proper theatrical moment.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's bulletproof as well. I've seen it. I've seen it three times. Um, and I mean, it's bulletproof. Like, Macbeth is bulletproof. You know, yes. even even if the acting isn't great, even if it's done in a church hall, I saw it, I, the first time I saw it, I'd never seen it or heard the score. And I saw it, I think, when I was 14. It was an amateur production. And the first strains, you know, when they're all they're singing the the first song, forgive me, I forget what it's called. And yeah, it was, it's like
1: the Ballad of Sweeney, isn't it? Ballad uh, The two sweet Todd. Exactly. And, but they're all whispering it and it's, yeah, oh, terrifying.
0: Absolutely terrifying and brilliant. And yes. I then saw it at the Royal Opera House with opera singers. Oh, wow. And, I mean, that was a trip in and of itself because then you've got the power of these very different voices, you know, very different from uh, West End musical theatre voices, um, doing it in a proper operatic way with all those sort of, you know, um, the budget of a Royal Opera House um, production. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think I've seen it three times. Yes, oh, cool. I have saw that that version they did in the West End a few years ago where they had, it was a three-hander and they played all the instruments.
1: Oh, wow, um, no, I, did see, I didn't even know about that one. I but think. But you're right, it is bulletproof. It is. Because it, the story, it, it just taps into that that thing. So we all love to be frightened. It's not often you're, you're yes. frightened in the theatre. No. I mean, woman in white. Have you ever seen that?
0: No, no. People have told me that it's, it's
1: absolutely terrifi- terrifying. It's terrifying, but it's it's you could only get that frightened in a theatre because you you're sat there with people you don't know, and it's all live, it's happening around you, and and yes. you know the the lighting's happening, it's all a bit quiet, and there's two actors telling a story and you know you feel the tension building but you don't know how it's going to what's going to happen and i won't no. spoil it for you but it's worth it's really worth seeing because it's the craft of whoever can't remember it's terrible of me who wrote that of 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 keeping you feeling so suspenseful and terrified <laughs> it's brilliant yeah. it's a brilliant piece of theatre and i think i think um I've not seen Sweeney, I've only ever, like I say, I've, I've spent a lot of my misspent youth listening to it on headphones with my eyes shut and yeah. not being able to sleep. So I, in my <laughs> head, I've, I've got how horrifying it can be. And funny, I mean, that's the brilliant thing about it, isn't it, it's got those moments of relief that are so, so funny, but it's, it's a glorious piece of writing. It's an extraordinary piece of writing.
0: That's it. I think that's it. It's it's the out al- there's some sort of alchemy that happens when um actors get on stage and starts to sing those sing those lyrics or you know with Macbeth when you know is this a dagger that I see before me there's it's all in the writing. You know any yeah. any great film, any great play, any great um, piece of TV, you know, years and years Russell T- you know, they're the geniuses, it all starts with the script. There is nothing without it. All starts with the
1: script. Absolutely. And that uh, you know the older I get the more you know, people go, oh I love that and you go yeah because it was good writing. Yes. Oh I liked you in that. Yeah because it was a really good part, really well written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know uh, you, you have to do a lot to mess it up. It's, it's exactly it's, it's a gift. It's, um, you know, us actors know when you've been when we've been handed a gift, it's thank you. We don't you know you just have to be the conduit, say say the words in the right order and mean it and it, and it will it will work it will work yeah. genius when writing it works well and we do have a lot of extraordinary writers and you know everyone talks about tv going through a golden era and it really is such is. brilliant work out there and we always used i always thought that british tv because you know i'm more of a punter when it comes to tv i've done i've done a lot of telly but it's not yeah it it's it's not my bread and, butter. and I've often felt that our TV series aren't quite as good, but the last ten years we're just getting so good at it. And and I think maybe it's that thing of European television becoming so good. You know, like with the Killing and all the Scandi Noir yeah. stuff, and, and you know, Line of Duty, and oh, you know, yeah. all all kicked off, I'm sure by brilliant things like um breaking bad where you go if you invest in the characters enough if you write enough we'll we'll go with it and and yeah. you know we're horrified when something happens to them or if they shock us by doing something we've never expected game of thrones i thought was brilliant game of thrones
0: mm, that first
1: series when i watched because i was i remember going oh i'm not i'm not i don't want to see that it's all boobs and and yeah. Alistair Coomer, who's a casting director, that, for people that don't know who he is, he's a brilliant yes. um, casting director. And he he said, oh, you've got to watch it. I went, really, isn't it that? And he went, no. He said, what it is, he said, is, you know, it's great acting. He said, but it's really interesting what they do with the characters and how you think you know where it's going, then it's it goes in a completely different direction, or you lose someone that you've invested <laughs> two seasons yeah. in, and they just go. Yes. At that end of season yeah. one, i I've, I've never seen that before, where a lead character... No. ...who was the most famous person in the show gets killed. You're like, yes. what? So brave. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And now no, they're doing it's... that all the time, of course, aren't they?
0: Yes. But it's, you know, when we're saying it's like it's the easiest thing in the world, great writing is so difficult. You know, mm-hmm. it takes incredible writers to pull it off um it makes everyone else's job a hell of a lot easier when they've done that but it's it's so difficult and obviously i mean i love those series so much i I read the books and the books if if you're that way disposed are are even better because it's about politics as well yes it's about it's about um how you know people keep and maintain power through violence and, and through machinations and um, and, it's, and it's all based on history. I'm a massive history geek, so there's so much in there. You know, there's like the Prince Machiavelli, and you know, there's Genghis Khan. It's all woven into there, samurais and knights and all that kind of stuff. It's all, it all has its basis in history, which is why it's it's so interesting.
1: I must read the books actually, because somebody else has said that to me. You've, re- I mean, I've got to read more anyway. I've 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 stopped reading, but somebody said to me the books are extraordinary, the Game of Thrones books.
0: They are. They
1: are. But also, I, I guess. Love them. I think I get get the feeling that, I don't know, you look at things like Breaking Bad, which again is so Shakespearean, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's like the the best Shakespeare you've ever seen in your (laughs) life. And the characters are so ridiculous and he's so ridiculous when you hate him and you just adore him at the same time. But it just felt like, I don't know whether you've been part of this, but it felt like they let the writers just do their thing. That's, that's what it felt like. And that's what I kind of felt wasn't happening in British drama for a long time. If, you know, I, I did quite a lot of stuff in the what, 90s and two, early 2000s. And, you know, you would get the original draft, the shooting script of something or the second draft of something. And yeah. so much had changed by the time you got to the shooting script. That all the all the good stuff had been taken out of it. All the stuff that the writer just had come to them naturally was all tempered yeah. by producers. Or, or what, I, I think she should be a bit more like that. Or let's meld those two characters to get. And you go. Oh, it's lost. It's lost that. Yeah. The brilliant immediacy that the writer had put in. It's all been kind of skewered. And I, I just feel. Maybe I'm wrong. Be interested to speak to some writers about it, but I get the feeling that that they're being let alone to write what they want to write. <laughs> I mean, do you, have you ever watched yeah. any Hugo Blick stuff?
0: No, I'm I haven't. To think no. Of
1: the name. You look him up. He's the BBC let kind of let him rip every now and then, and he's written. Yeah. I can't think of. I can't think of the names of the series, but two brilliant actors. And they're really slow dramas. Um, he's got. Two, I'll, I'll find out and I'll, and I'll text you what they what they're called. It must be on the iPlayer, or I'm sure there'll be other ways of seeing it. But Hugo Blick, he's a he. I think he he writes and directs them.
0: But they're right. they're
1: brilliant, and you know that the B, he, he probably BBC went to him. You know, ten years ago, and said, "I want you to do something for us." He said, "I'll do it, but you've got to let me do my own thing." leave leave me to it and it has and therefore it's got its own language it's kind of extraordinary yes. it's brilliant he's a, he's a brilliant writer and director but
0: you you get i think so one. he did black earth rising with um
1: ah uh, did he no um, i haven't seen that one i haven't seen that one
0: with michaela cole yes yeah. no it's, it's ha- good it's very good
1: what's the other one? are you, are you looking it up now
0: I am. I've got my devices open. <laughs> there's one. Um, there's
1: one that he did with. Um, the Honourable uh, Woman. Yeah, that's a good with one.
0: Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal.
1: That's a really good one. And there was one before that was the one I really loved, kind of about spies. Oh, God.
0: The Shadow Line.
1: Shadow Line. It's a great show.
0: Wow. I mean, the the cast. You have got Chiwetel Ejiofor in there. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Some special actors in there. Gabriel Stephen Burns
1: Ray. in it as well, I think.
0: Yeah. Tobias Menzies. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's extraordinary.
1: Wow. It's it's so good. I'd love to speak to some of those actors and say, you know, what was it like? How did he, how did it work? Because it's got his own very own language. I mean, you really feel his imprint on it, the way it's shot, the design of it, everything. Mm. But I think, yeah, that's what I, was, I remember so often. Being part of TV, where it just felt like it was being watered, the writer's work was being watered down. And yeah. yet it felt like the Americans were just the writers were king, and they are king in America. And they sh- you know, they should be king over here. Victoria Wood For used sure. to say it. She years ago, they used to just go, please write us a series, off you go. And nobody got involved. <laughs> and yeah. now it's, you know, the the I know in the last 10 years of her life, she found it impossible because what have you written so far? Or oh, who are you casting? Or oh, I don't know about that. Can we be a bit more, you think, it's Victoria Wood. Let her do her thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: She's got you know, a she's voice. A genius. She's a genius. Just leave her alone and let her go on with it. Yeah. But I think That's
0: they're, the they're getting likely. a bit better. <laughs> you wouldn't have, you know, if you were doing a film with Charlie Chaplin, you know, when he was trying to choreograph a stunt, you wouldn't have gone, well, actually, do we think do we think we should fall down the stairs this way? You know, no, yeah. you just go. No, you, you crack on, Charlie. You put me where <laughs> you think I need to go because um, I'm, I'm sure you've got a better idea than I do. <laughs>
1: you, cra- you crack on, Charlie. I like
0: that. <laughs> you crack on, Charlie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame because I mean, one of my favourite things, I watch it every year. Uh, because because that's the type of guy I am. Uh, Brideshead Revisited, which was what, eighty three? I've never seen like it. Him. Go on. Oh my god. So it's what made um oh um Diana Quick, for example, was in it. Um yeah. and Jeremy Irons uh, was, was it? No, I'm that's
1: getting it. that wrong. Jeremy
0: Irons, that's it. It made Jeremy Irons. Um it's one of Olivier's last parts, um, is in it. It's it's it is one of the best things that's ever been on British television Um, and it was so ambitious the director who directed all the he's Tom Sturridge's dad forgive me I've forgotten his name but he um, he directed all the episodes and he was he was only in his 20s when he did it and they shot so much of it at Castle Howard Um, and to for ITV it was the most expensive thing on on TV ever and for them to have taken a risk on this young director to have directed all these episodes the acting is unbelievable It's it still looks absolutely stunning, Um, but it is a little gem. You know there was occasionally those
1: days when they do when they would let a director direct all the episodes. Yeah, you know it it just doesn't happen anymore. You get an eight-part series that you know the first director sets it up, doesn't he? And and or she creates the look, and then they get two episodes. You know they might they might come back for the last two, but because they end up double banking and shooting over over each other, they don't yeah. give so the director doesn't get. I mean it must be frustrating for directors who don't get to to see their vision through. Do you know what I mean? Like I like do. obviously that guy did on Brighthead head revisited. And because you can see it. I remember I always think that when 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 you watch Breaking Bad, you can see when the good directors, when it's their episodes, you go, oh it's him. Yeah. They know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they understand the character. They're telling the, the story really well.
0: Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, that example of Game of Thrones as well. Is it um, Miguel Sapochnik would always do the massive battle scenes, right? Um, in, right. In Game of Thrones, so they're always bringing him to do the, to do the big stuff. I don't know whether you saw on Amazon. There's a gorgeous um, series with Reese Witherspoon. And Carrie Washington, I think it was called Little Fires Everywhere. And yes, I have seen Lynn, it, yeah. Yeah, so Lynn Shelton, who sadly um passed away earlier this in 2020, um, she she set it up, you know, so, so, so the aesthetic, the look of it. She's she directed the first episode and the last episode. And oh, okay. she cast it, and you can you can see that, you know, I mean what she set up is 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 brilliant. I mean it looks amazing. But the, the other directors then had to then essentially replicate that aesthetic, you know, make the same sort of choices with their shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was done, it was done really well. But, but as you say, like uh, the, it's a shame that Lynn didn't or couldn't direct all. All of them. What, all of them. Yeah.
1: Because but there the is a difference. she
0: got us as well.
1: Well, this is it as well. And you know what it's like when you're, when you're um, working with a director on, on a TV. It's tricky because it, it's under a severe microscope when you do a soap, because of course yeah. they come in and go, oh yeah, and you, you. Why why is that happening? Oh, because she feels this, and especially with I've seen it with cat, people who've been playing characters for like twenty five years, going, there's absolutely no way she would do that. I'm sorry, yeah. there's no way she would have. Yeah. I mean. That person is related to her. No one knows the the, the character better than the actor, honestly. Yeah, um, no. But when you're doing a series and and you set it up with your first director, like you say, who's cast it, who's who's set set up the aesthetic, how, how it looks, how it's shot, the speed of the scenes, all those things, and everyone else has to kind of replicate that, you end up having, not battles, I wouldn't say that, but... You know, somebody's suddenly going. Your character, another director, going. Your character needs to be really much more like this. And you go, but this—that's not what she is. So I guess when you've got one director throughout, all those things are preserved, aren't they? And 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 they really look after the character with the writers. You know, with with script rewrites, with pressure from producers. That they have, they have the overall in their heads it, it's a shame they used to do that I remember doing series early on in my career where you would get the same director but you know there were like seven eight episodes they weren't you know, long ones and it did yeah. it, you know you had your shorthand it ends up being a bit like theatre you turn up oh hello lovely to see you we all know how we all work together it's it's
0: it's important, those things, that those shorthands. It is so completely. I, my So my favourite actor in, in the whole world is Paul Newman. Um, oh. And he um, talks about directing his wife, who was equally a, uh, an incredible yeah. actress. Beautiful actress, Joanne yeah. Joanne Woodward, yeah. who actually won her Oscar before him. Um, <laughs> that was always a, a point of contention between mm-hmm. them. Um, and he would talk about directing her and saying how you know, he, he knows her so well as an actor. Um, he, he just go over to her, um, and give her a piece of redirection. And all he'd have to say was pinch it.
1: Right. Pinch it.
0: And you know, that won't mean anything to me or you, but for whatever reason, that's what Joanne needed in that moment to, you know, to, to get through the scene. I think he was talking about like pinch the emotion, you know, whatever that transitive verb was that helped in that moment. And I just thought, you know, that's the level of, as you say, shorthand um, depth that you can have with your director when you trust them implicitly and they trust you, um, and and they they've given you a note because you need it, not because they feel like they need to look like they're doing something. that's yeah. a, that's a that's a big thing as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, so much of our job is knowing when to shut up, isn't it? And I'm sure for, for directors it's the <laughs> yeah. same. You talk to directors, yeah. theatre directors, to say, I remember years ago, saying so if you haven't. I say hello to you every day. All I get is hello. He went. eventually went, I'm not worried about you. He said, that's why I'm not talking to you. You're fine. He said, I'm worried about <laughs> yeah. that person there. That's why I'm talking to them all the time because I've got to get them, I've got to sort them yeah. out. He said, you yeah. just hold yeah. where you are. And I guess that's the thing as well. The theatre directors, you some actors work really quick and come up with something yeah. really quick. So you've got to keep them simmering away while everyone else comes up to the boil and making sure that everyone starts boiling at the right time before they, you know, start messing it up or changing it because they're bored of it. (laughs) It's tricky.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: That's why they're brilliant. When you, when you work with a good director, you know, you, you want to work with them again and again and again.
0: Absolutely. You know, you know what it feels like, the difference. Um, Yeah. So, I'd love you to let us in then. Um, as a, as a dyslexic um, actor, are there times in a rehearsal room where you where you feel it, um, and you feel you know uh, when you might be reading a script or breaking down a script, um, you you I don't know how to quite articulate it. You know you, you feel other actors around you who aren't struggling uh, in 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 a certain way. Or, or is it not something that you know that's in your consciousness at the moment?
1: Well, it's funny because I so much I remember it being much more of a problem when I was at school, that thing of when you were in an English class and you'd probably do in Shakespeare those awful dry readings of Shakespeare that you all used to do for English where yeah. you'd you'd open the page you know and you are sat in your you know your secondary school in Ilford going oh, <laughs> God, here we go. And it goes round the classroom, and you're thinking, "Please let the lesson end before it gets to me, so I have to do my chunk." And I'd always, you know, fear, and then the dyslexia coming in of always messing it up. So I and I have a little bit of a hangover when you're if you're in a if you're doing a theatre job where um, you know sometimes you're messing around with stuff, and they'll the the say the dance the choreographer will come in and go, okay, I've picked these verses of this poem and we're gonna just chuck it around the room and you take a line and you take a line or or that thing in rehearsals, which I do find difficult, where a director goes, Let's play each other's parts for a bit. Have you <laughs> ever had that? Well <laughs> uh, I did that yeah. with yeah I did Faust with with uh, for Jamie Lloyd with um Oh, Kit Harrington, lovely Kit, and he was yeah, playing... Yeah, I
0: saw you. Yeah, I crazy saw Crazy
1: production, crazy yes. production. But he, he was playing um, Faustus and I was playing Mephistopheles. Yes. And, of course, I'd done as much prep as I could of looking at the, you know, looking at it, saying it out loud in the spare room and all that, and then we got in. And, you know, I've worked with Jamie lots, but he said, okay, would well, let's just swap it round. I thought, I haven't looked at his... I, have, I don't know what's yeah. going to come out of my mouth. I'm a terrible sight reader. I'm probably a lot yes. better than I think I am. I, I feel yes. like I'm a terrible sight reader. Um, Interesting. the other day... That. Go on, sorry, go on.
0: No, I was just going to say, it's just that residual fear of, of being back in the classroom again and being put on the spot.
1: Yeah. But the, the thing that I think is good, in our industry anyway, is there's... Um, I don't feel there's any shame attached to it now think people understand it a lot better and people I mean I it's interesting my daughter says it she's dyslexic and I hear her at, when she's doing online classes she's you know, gone to just gone to a, a secondary school so she doesn't know really yet any of the kids in her class <laughs> bless oh. her and then suddenly yeah. I think they had about a month and a half where they were actually in the classroom together but often I'll, I'll hear her going yes sir that I just want to say I'm I'm dyslexic, so I I find that a bit tricky. And I, <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it, that an 11-year-old yeah. can just in front of all her schoolmates go, "I'm I'm I'm not great at that, or I might need a bit more time." That and, and she doesn't say it with any embarrassment; it's just it's a fact. Um, yeah. And I and I think nowadays people are. I've I've been in rehearsal rooms where where other actors have gone. I'm sorry, I find that difficult because I'm dyslexic, and and it's like, oh, of course. Or I yeah. didn't know that. Um, for some castings, I'm sure, I'm sure they all do it. That they will often give a dyslexic person a couple more days, get get the script out to them a couple couple of days earlier. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I had an EastEnders episode once where I was. It was a two-hander. And I said to the producers, because, of course, you're doing like 20 other episodes at the same time. I said, I'm going to hit, yeah. you know, as soon as that script is signed off, please send it to me. Or as soon as a scene is signed off, send it to me because I need to start learning it now because it just takes me too. I, I had to spend so long putting it in my yeah. head and just yeah. making sense of it. But yeah, I think, it, you completely. know, it, it kind of, it kind of impacts and kind of, doesn't i mean i I think i find everyday tasks harder than than the than my profession and i think maybe that's because my profession is creative ultimately it's the learning the lines is hard and the saying the lines out loud in the right order can sometimes be a bit tricky for auditions and stuff but yeah but actually doing the work once you've learnt the lines, it's all about being creative, isn't it? I, I don't have to yeah. do what I imagine people who aren't in a creative environment have to do of being organised. I hadn't realised until looking at my daughter and, and really looking at what dyslexia is and how it can be for people. And it so makes sense of all that thing of of um, organisational skills, of... of not, you know, I've only been able to do one thing at a time, <laughs> which really yeah. rings true for me and is very much true for my yeah. daughter. If she's downstairs and I I needed to bring something up, I, I can't say to her, you need to brush your teeth, so pick up the thing on the table, bring that up <laughs> and turn the light off as you're leaving. I have to yeah, give yeah, her yeah. one one thing at a time. She'll do it, but if I give her two, if I give her three things to do, quite rightly, she'll remember one of them and the other ones just go, Ping out of her head, yeah, and I hadn't quite taken on board that. Of course, that is part of being. That's how dyslexia can present in some people, you know, of organisation skills and 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 making lists and and just trying to keep on track that way, keep your your thoughts and and all those things in line to make it more manageable.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm so. I'm so grateful that I, that I have acting, there's something, you know, that I love and I pursue as a career and I'm fortunate enough to be employed to do yeah. because it then gives me a reason to be organised, you know, yes. to, to, be, <laughs> to be clean. You know, I mean, yes. my, my brain is in an incredibly messy place. So I'm a very clean person because I have to be or else I'm a complete mess. You know, um, yeah. in order to start podcasting with you, my my room has had a a, a thorough clean. I can tell you that now.
1: Um, <laughs> is it because you can't work? Is because it is too too much clutter makes you feel yeah out of control.
0: I feel, I f- I feel out of control. I feel overstimulated. I feel yeah. like I'm not gonna potentially be as I don't know articulate with you. I, I'm not going to be able to, you know, properly shape a question that you'll you'll, you'll even think is English. <laughs> as, <laughs> those are my concerns, it's just come out as some sort of gobbledygook. Um, is that
1: something? So is to. that something you've always known, or is that something? Is that a coping um, mechanism that, that you've? sort of cobbled together, or is that something that somebody had suggested to you?
0: Do you know what it was when I started um, drama school? Um, and, and it got really intense. I went to drama center. So I was doing, you know, 12 hour days, sometimes six days a week.
1: Wow.
0: And I really needed a level of, I mean, it's why I went, I I was a messy young person, um, for many reasons. I think dyslexia is probably part of that as well. And I was as an actor raw. Um, my diction was horrendous. You know, there's so many, you know, technical things I needed to look at and I, realized that you know i needed the place i would come back to you know to rehearse my cartoon character whatever it was or you know <laughs> go over my scripts i couldn't live in a in a pit and yeah. I, i'm in my, my first house at uh, drama school i was living with eight other people in this ridiculous house in Allgate um and uh they were all i mean so when i was leaving you know at 7 a.m to go and you know lie on the floor and do my resonance work or you know warm up they were all still partying from the night before. Wow!
1: Um, wow. And
0: I get home, and they'd started the party again. You know, so it's like <laughs> you know thumping <laughs> drum and bass going on, and I'm and I'm trying to do you know uh, a Gilbert and Sullivan song, or you know a, a, a soliloquy from Hamlet, and and uh, you know I, I, I thought no, I'm going to have to get out of this place as well. And luckily yeah. enough, we all had to leave because the house almost burnt down.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> I was going to so... say the landlord must have <laughs> loved you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, must have loved us, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's absolutely a, uh, a workaround. You know, that's, the, that's a quite common thing, you know, doing this podcast, I've found, is um, we're all unified by um, being terrified of that situation in class where the reading comes around to us yeah. and, and workarounds, coping mechanisms, um, as you put it, you know, things that you develop in order to function like everybody else. And do, do you have things like that yourself?
1: Well, I think... I, well, I'm interested in what you were saying I'm, I'm very similar to you So, like if I was going to cook something you know I find that hard following a recipe for example so and it's there but I have to read it and reread it and reread it so what's a 20 minute recipe turns into a, an hour for me because I go have I done that so I now know <laughs> that what what works best for me is so I get all the ingredients out but you know the kitchen I can't yes. pray my other half will start and he's a great cook he'll start cooking when there's newspapers and all sorts and then you'll just kind of push them out of the way and get on with it but I'm like no everything has to be out It has to be clear decks clean clear decks then I have to measure out all the things that I know I'm going to need and they have to be all done and the washing up done then I can enjoy the, the cooking but also I can follow the recipe because I'm not Going, oh how what's that time? I've got two timers. You know, I don't cook yeah. that often, but it's it's that kind of I have to be very methodical about, about things like that. Yes. Like like reading a recipe like cooking, or indeed, if I've got a, a job, if I've got to do some learning for something, the house has to be tidy, I'm the same as you. I have to know that the beds are made, everything. But I'm like that when we go away on holiday. Yeah. I mean, it's not, my house isn't sparkling clean, don't get me wrong, but it's tidy. I, I go, I can't, yeah. it's got to be, I've got to be able to walk in, clean mind space, know that I can deal with stuff and not go, oh, I've got to sort that out first. Because I can get, I find that I can get quite easily overwhelmed if, if um, I don't have that order in my life. Because everything feels like a... A lot of the time, maybe it's that thing, people saying about dyslexics, you know, in, in school, how they, they're they working, you know, that much harder than a non-dyslexic person because they're trying to make sense of it. Whether they're aware of it or not, that's what they're doing constantly is recalibrating or, or working really hard to read something and it makes sense to them having to read it four times. You know, the, 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 so much energy is spent that way. It's exhausting.
0: It is. It,
1: it is you completely. Know, it's exhausting. So it makes sense to me that everything needs to be around me, calm and good and and no stress. So therefore yeah. I can deal with the things that could potentially be stressful by having yes. no stress around me.
0: <laughs> yes. We're very completely. similar
1: on that. that. That's really interesting. I find that. Yeah. And I am like that. When I'm learning something, I go, I have. I can't just read it and read it and read it, it's too much. I have to take one scene at a time and I have to learn that scene, then put it away, then come back to it. But, you know, I have to complete something before I can move on to something else, to the next scene. I can't just go, I'm going to just keep reading the whole script, which I have friends that do that and it just goes in. I can't yeah. do that. How do you find learning lines and... and Scripts and
0: stuff. Yes, I mean, I, well, first I'm just going to echo that. Like, I I adore cooking, but I have to do exactly the same thing. I I <laughs> love I love this idea of like this is my space now, and I'm gonna it's gonna bend to my will. It's gonna be spotless, <laughs> and then and then I can sort of I go into a. I'm very present when yeah. I'm cooking. I, I adore that about cooking, as it forces you in the moment. You know, like when you step out on stage or for me when I exercise as well it forces you into this moment with a problem that you have to deal with and it sort of focuses the mind because I find my mind is a very busy and overwhelming place and yeah I mean that feeling of being in school and and feeling like my the front of my brain the front lobe of my brain was overheating like a computer And and it's you know making that noise that's about to take off and I need to just quiet it down exert some control over my Environment just just to deal with it. And so far as lines, um, yeah, like you, that when I first joined Hollyoaks, um, the sheer volume of stuff yes. that you have to shoot in a day, and you just expected to learn, and then um, you know that the producers would invariably change the script the night before, so you get you get the script the night before, and you have to be ready to shoot, you know, at eight thirty in the morning, and you know, it was, I mean, I did have to, I almost went upstairs to say, guys, um, I, you know, I'm <laughs> dyslexic. You cannot, because it's not merely, you know, it's not merely that you learn the lines. Learning the lines is actually the easiest part of the job for an actor. You know, for dyslexics, we could have a debate about that. But, it. you know, anyone can learn lines if you give them long enough. You yeah. know, that doesn't. That, yeah. that doesn't make you an actor. If it, I mean, I wish it did, <laughs> you know, bless those people who go, oh my God, all those lines you learn, I don't know how you do it. You think um, if only it was as easy as that, uh, because, cause then you've got to make your choices, you know, then you've got to decide, you know, where the stress is in that line. Yeah. Um, then you've got to decide which verb you're going to use to seduce someone, to charm them, you know, th- then th- that's where,
1: you know I, yeah I guess, they, uh, when they change uh, the script it it's 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 not just changing the the lines is it is changing and it, and it can it can be a completely yeah different scene and you're like hang on this I'm I'm missing that or she needs that or why is yes. he, this she wouldn't sit next to him on the stairs while he was saying that to her no way
0: oh yeah completely you feel like your legs have been chopped off I mean it's, <laughs> it's like you like they, they sort of go uh, you go, oh no, I had another. I had another four lines there, and they really helped this character. You know, they they were really yeah. great. I don't care if it gave me more to learn, but they were like, "Yeah, but you know, um, we need to keep this episode at twenty four minutes." <laughs> you know, it's not when when they turn around and they they give you not a creatively satisfying answer. You know, it's merely about yeah. No, we need to squeeze the ad break in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You just you know you 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 want to tear your hair out you' like i don't even, you could have given me four more paragraphs if they were good writing and yeah. they told us about it I wouldn't have minded staying up until two a m to do it um yeah, i mean it's that's another lesson like if if you have to make an actor do something they don't want to do um give them a really satisfying creative reason to do it you know?
1: <laughs> it helps
0: <laughs> it does it does i mean having said that one of my Um, one of my favorite, uh, anecdotes is, um, it was on a show a friend of mine did. And, and, you know, this, this actor was in a, it's in the room with everybody and the director, um, went, can you, sorry, can you just, I really need you to do this, this move. If you could move across the stage of this on this line, it'd be, it'd be great. And the actor went, um, I'm sorry. I, I don't think my character would do that. And the director went, Hmm, that's interesting. Could you find one that would?
1: <laughs> love it. Because
0: you know that you know. Sometimes you're in a room with a problematic actor, and you're like, "But just, just pick up the cup and move on that line." It's really not. You know, it's not pinter, mate. Just, just do it.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it.
0: That's funny. Funny old profession, isn't it?
1: Oh, it is, but it's brilliant. I love it. I do love it, and I miss it horribly. I do miss it horribly. I, do too. I was, I was, um, just thinking about a, a very interesting, um, kind of aspect to our work as a dyslexic. I was asked a couple of years ago to do, um, oh goodness, what are they called? Um, a talking book. Yeah. For Audible. Uh, and it's it's a local writer here in Whitstable. I, I live in Whitstable in Kent, don't live in London. And she's written these series of books, and I've known her for a good couple of years. Actually, they're making them into a TV series. Um, Can I Get Cast? Can I Buggery? It's literally <laughs> 10 minutes down the road they are filming. And if, oh. I'm like, oh, it'd be such a nice job. I could come back to my own house and everything. I'm cheap because they don't have to put me in a hotel. Anyway, it's not it's not happening. But um, I did the audio book for <laughs> it, and I did three on the yeah. trot when I was when I was doing Faustus. I thought, well, this is nice. It would test me. Yeah. Oh, have you ever done one?
0: I haven't. I haven't. But <gasps> it's the sheer amount of work I've heard from from friends who do do it. It's it's it sounds a lot
1: Terrifying. And
0: yeah.
1: I spoke to a couple of actor friends of mine about how they do it and a lot of them said rather than having it on paper they have it on their iPad so they can move the, you know and you're doing like yeah. 200, 300 pages of a book and the the engineer who's also the director that says they kind of have the same kind of thing yeah. he bless his heart because I was I was convinced I was saying what was written <laughs> But more <laughs> often than not, I was yeah. talking shite, and I was putting words yeah. in that didn't, weren't. I mean, like weren't even remotely there. And he'd every now and yeah. go, um, "Jenna, I um, need just stop there. Um, it's uh, dog, not house." <laughs> she walked the dog, not she walked the house. And the guy didn't say house. Yes, and he go, "You, you did." And this went, kind of went on. He was very patient and. I remember after one, sort of one afternoon, he went, excuse me for a second, and he had disappeared. And then he came back, and, you know, it's the last thing he would have wanted, it was to make me feel terrible. But he said, yeah. he came back, and I went, you're everything all right? And he went, I'm sorry. He said, "I'm what, you, what you're doing is just hysterical. He said, because I've never <laughs> known anyone to... He said, I just had to go and laugh. And he... I mean, of course it crushed me,
0: <laughs> but
1: I also thought I'm glad that he could be honest with me about that. And also I'm glad that he's stopping, when, stopping me when I'm doing it because I've, yeah. I've got to obviously not do that. But it was, it was. I, I just can't believe that I thought I could do it. I mean, it was ridiculous. I did, I did the three, but last week, and you know what it's like, you know, we're all so pushed for cash and yeah. the, the work is, there's not much out there. But last week I got asked to do another one, not not of my friends' books, but another book. Yeah. And it, I read the book I, well, I really sped read the book, and my yeah. the, it was it's kind of there are three different characters, so the book would be s- spread out between three people, um, three actors each playing their kind of each. Every now and then, somebody else takes over the story. A character takes over the story in the book. And um, you just do like three chapters and then your somebody else takes over the story. And I thought, well, I've got to do this because it's not that, it's not too much that hard work. And, you know, we need the money and I've got to do it. And I went to bed after thinking about it for a couple of days and I said to my other half, I said, honestly, I I would rather stick needles in my eyes <laughs> than, than do this. Would you mind if I turned it down because I I, the stress I'm feeling yeah thinking I've got to do it and and just going to a studio and then laughing at me (laughs) so I turned it down but I I mean I was very pleased with myself that I turned it down but of course that was money we needed but I just thought I can't I did it I had to go and good on me pat myself on the back as as a dyslexic to say I've done three audiobooks but I really wasn't very good at it and the amount of stress of Because it's sight reading, isn't it? Sight reading, 300 pages. What on earth? Where did I think I could do that? And just no amount of prep can get you ready for that. So, yeah.
0: Well, exactly. What were you going to do? You're going to try and learn all, you know,
1: (laughs) every single word in a
0: 300-page book. It was
1: horrendous. And I go, I can't remember what accent the characters are. So of course I was just wondering oh, you've got yes. your French lady and then she's talking to the Italian lady. Le- I I was yeah it was a dyslexic version of hell. Yes. <laughs> it, it was so if you ever get offered one, really think hard about whether you th- it's a good idea.
0: Think hard or, or run very fast in the other direction.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I I won't no. be doing that again. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs>
0: Well, let me ask you um, just before you wrap it up, um, what aspirations do you have in the future in terms of you know things you wouldn't run uh, in the other direction? I mean, obviously we've talked about Sweeney Todd, which I'm you know I would absolutely love to see <laughs> you do, but are there, you know are there other things in the theatre um, that you'd love to do.
1: Oh, just, I, uh, so many things that I, I've always had a kind of ambition of mine is to 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 do every one of. Um, Steve Sondheim shows. I know I won't be able to do um Pacific Overtures and is there anything else? I think I think there must be something in everything else. I'd love to, I'd love to get to 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 be in to have done all of his work, um, yeah. his theatre shows. That that you know, that's a little personal ambition of mine or a, or a little goal to to achieve that that would really mean something to me. Because yeah. I, I know them all, so it's easy, 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 easy work.
0: <laughs> Anyone listening, yeah, she, she knows them all right now. I know, now. She's I know good all to the go. parts.
1: I mean, I don't yeah. know the words of the scenes, but I but I know all the, I can sing it all um, to varying degrees of, of um, <laughs> pleasingness to the ear. But, um, <laughs> no, I just you know, it's it's been a tricky couple of, this last year has been really tricky. Like I said yeah. to you earlier, you know, you kind of put your, you put your, I don't know what the word is, not your eggs in a basket, but you 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 stick your your flag on a hill and go, this is where I'm happiest, this is where I want to be. And
0: yeah. you
1: know, about 10 years ago I went, I really like theatre. I'm I'm if I get the odd bit of telly, that's fine. Um, but it's not where my heart is. I like watching yeah. it, I like, I like kind of like doing it. But I love doing theatre. So yeah. it's kind of my, um, my ambition, I guess, would be for us to get vaccinated and for it to be safe for us to be able to go back to theatre and earn, earn a living, not a big living, just enough to pay the bills and the rent and, yeah. and whatever, yeah. keep food on, on the table, just doing the job that I love, theatre so in in whichever form that comes that's that's how I, that's what I, that's my aspiration
0: brilliant well producers listening um <laughs> jenna, jenna russell does every single one of sondheim's um shows no. <laughs> she knows them all um she'll do a one woman show playing every part royal albert hall a month-long engagement be great we'll make it happen.
1: socially distanced we can do it just me on my own We, can, we can, it's fabulous yeah
0: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> maybe Jamie oh. Lloyd will, um, will direct it for you brilliant that'd be nice it's all good <laughs>
1: yeah I wouldn't say no I wouldn't say
0: um thank you so much Jenna that was oh my pleasure
1: lovely lovely to chat so to good. you really lovely
0: you've been listening to words fail me a podcast about thriving with dyslexia with me, Jude Monk McGowan. My guest today was the actor, Jenna Russell. There are more conversations in this series. Just search Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to support the charity or access its many services, go to dyslexia-help.org. And if you really enjoyed this podcast, please go, rate, subscribe, and leave us a little review. It really helps us grow. Thank you.